Hi, everyone. Thanks a lot for joining us again on the Kaiku podcast. I'm Alex, one of the co-founders here at Kaiku, and really uh, glad to be joined here today by um, Seb Diaz. Seb's um, the old CEO at Startup Chile and an advisor at the Yield Lab um, at current times, um, amongst a, a whole multitude of other roles. And um, you know, Seb, I know we, sort of, we spoke a number of years ago now, actually. I think it goes back quite far, but, you know, it's really great to see how things have developed and you know what you're up to. So thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Hey, hey, Alex, thank you for having me here. A pleasure. As you said, it was a long time ago, the last time that we connected, but here we are again, a small world, the innovation, technology, and a startup kind of industry. You know, it, it's amazing. Always bring people together. Things move on, but um, you know, it's really good to pick up. But you know, what what would be great to start things off is if you just give us a little bit of background, I suppose, of you know your time at Startup Chile, um, sure. what you're doing now, and um, you know what you've been up to recently. Sure. Well, um, I, I'm a journalist by profession. That's my background. I went to university to to learn about communication. Um, I started a, a couple of companies there. I failed with one. I sold another of those companies. It was in a streaming platform. Uh, so I was uh, an entrepreneur uh, for a lot of years, part of my life. Um, then I started to work as a journalist in a couple of uh, newspapers. And after that, I joined a startup Chile. Um, and I was in a startup Chile for six years. A startup Chile is the biggest accelerator in Latin America, one of the biggest in the world, actually. Um, and it, it, was, it, it is a public policy. It is from the Chilean government, and it was created basically to put Chile in the map, uh, to start bringing uh, entrepreneurs and talented people from different parts of the world to launch their businesses in Chile, uh, from Chile, actually, to use Chile as a platform to go global. Um, so as I was telling you, I led that organization for, um, for two years. I was there for six years, though, uh, and I left a startup Chile a couple of months ago, and, and now I'm kind of exploring what's by what's going to be my next step but now i'm um to be more concrete i'm part of a venture fund called the gill lab uh focused on actec uh so we are I'm, I'm helping with that uh to open the latin american market and just to have a bigger impact in this region i'm also a teacher in the university and now working with a lot of startups help helping them to to grow uh into other markets uh, marketing strategies um beast dev and a lot of stuff like that so it goes without saying you've had the founder journey through to accelerate it and through to somewhat the fund the fun side of that as well now so i think you've exactly. seen a lot of it yeah so, <laughs> you've seen a lot of yeah, that actually I, yeah actually i never thought it like that you know uh i was an entrepreneur i was in the acceleration part also the public policy government and now the venture funds <laughs> i've been all over the place <laughs> It, but if you if you take us back, let's, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but it must be around 2014 or something that you started off at Startup Chile. Exactly. I mean, what, what's really interesting for me is Startup Chile was one of the main sort of, I suppose, government incentive programs for accelerators down in LATAM that came out and really, I suppose, set a trend for a lot of other countries in, in, in Latin America to become on the map in terms of their accelerators and, you know, putting themselves, you know, as sort of startup capitals across there as well. Why, why do you think, you know, that in terms of how that's moved to, you know, LATAM um, becoming, you know, a real, a real hub for, you know, talent and startups at the moment, why, why did it all start in Chile? And, you know, what, what's the, what's the effect been from all of this, I suppose? Why it happened here, it just, it's just a combination of factors, basically. It's just like uh, when you're trying to be more innovative, uh, innovation is a muscle and, and a muscle you need to exercise that muscle 
if if you want to be more innovative from one day to another, that's not going to happen. It's just like try to run uh, 100 meters in nine seconds from one day to another, you know? Uh, that's not going to happen. So as a country, if you want to be more innovative, you need to exercise that muscle. And Chile was, was exercising that muscle for a long time. You know, uh, a lot of public policies were trying to hit um, um, more entrepreneurs every year. Um, the universities were doing a lot of things, but something were missing in Chile that put it, put it everything together, like connecting the dots, basically. How can we centralize what, what the universities are doing, what the public policies are doing, the government, you know, the media, the big corporation and everything like that. So everybody was just like doing things, but it was not centralized. So uh, when Startup Chile came, uh, basically connected all the dots and, and, and created a huge ecosystem here in Chile, you know? And, and if, you, if you take in consideration the context, uh, when that happened back in 2010, we were in the middle of a huge economical crisis, the subprime crisis led by the U.S., you know, um, yep. uh, Europe entering recession, basically. Uh, everybody was closing uh, frontiers. Um, uh, the U.S. started to kick out entrepreneurs that were developing technology there. You know, they have uh, a huge visa problem and everything started like that. With that question, how can we capture the value that the U.S., is wasting right now. That was the question that started everything. Um, and after that, we just took advantage of it. We created a startup Chile. We see what happened. We did a pilot and we saw that a lot of entrepreneurs were willing to come down here to Chile. And that's how everything started, you know. Um, it's, it's a combination of factors. The momentum, the economical crisis, the muscle that I'm telling you about, that Chile exercising that muscle of innovation, doing a lot of things with entrepreneurs, you know, uh, Chile also were, was coming uh, out of a huge earthquake uh, that basically destroyed everything back in 2010, yep. you know. Um, so uh, also Chile was trying to rethink about uh, how can we, we be a better country after earthquake and stuff like that, you know, was, was uh, at the perfect time uh, to implement a public policy like that. Uh, when you talk here, when ah. you talk to Latin America, Startup Chile was an example not only for Latin countries but to the rest of the world. More, more than sixty countries created a startup program after Startup Chile, and and for the Latin American reality it was it was like uh, somebody to look at, you know, in the good sense, not not being like, uh, hey, look at me, I'm the best, but it, it, it is like a success case, you know. So Peru. Argentina, Colombia, and all the countries started to see, hey, if Chile is doing it, why we, we're not doing it, you know? And that started a whole movement now in Latin America. And you can see more government, more um, um, active ecosystems boosting entrepreneurs, you know? More and more governments are creating more programs, venture funds, and stuff like that. Every single country is doing different things because the needs that every country has are completely different. Uh, but the important thing is that different countries uh, are boosting their ecosystem from different part of the of the market. You know, once uh, has uh, more public presence, a stronger public presence. Other has more, uh, I don't know, international presence. Other private presence, whatever. Uh, different characteristic of all, all the ecosystem. But the important thing is started that, that startup Chile started a whole movement down here. And what I find really interesting, I suppose, with Startup Chile is that there's obviously been a lot of public support for this government intervention. And that's, that's. I mean, we look at a lot of accelerators that come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Nowadays, a lot of them are corporate yeah. programs, you know, 
some of them will be much more private focus. Yeah. Do you think this was, I suppose, do, do, do you still think that, you know, governments are, because I think, you know, I may have a few different opinions in terms of what we have over here in terms of European ecosystem, because it's obviously, you know, split up as a few of the countries, you know, as we always see. But do you, do you think, you know, government intervention is still right in Chile and, you know, across other countries in Latin America for getting the, the model that was working mm -hmm. sort of, you know, nearly a decade ago now as it is, as it is continuing to now, or is it moving away mm -hmm. from that? We have the legal frame in Chile allows the, the states to intervene the market in, 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 with some, um, how can I say, when, when the private sector is not doing uh, uh, an economical activity in the market, and that economical activity is is is, a, is part of the strategy to be a developed country. The Chilean state has the obligation to go and intervene that the market in order to boost the private sector. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. So that's yes. the legal yeah. frame here. You know. So when when you talk about a government going into the market, this is more like the Chilean state. Doesn't matter if it's a government from the left or right wing. The Chilean state has the obligation to go and 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 close that gap in the market. When the private sector takes over, the Chilean state has the obligation to leave the market. So as a Chilean state, you cannot right. compete with the private sector. You can only activate that market. Does that make sense? Yes, so, you know, absolutely. And that uh, creates somewhat, you know, somewhat a lot of diversity. In exactly. That so when, when I, I just want to click clarify that because when you talk about a government um, you can think about i don't know let's take it to an extreme case like venezuela where you have uh, an extreme an extreme government from from the left wing uh, let's say uh, and yeah when you talk about uh, an intervention from the government it, it looks like basically the government can do whatever they want you know um, they can play with the market they can close uh, uh, companies and, and do whatever they want but when you have a legal frame that is clear for everybody and it's the state, not a government, it's completely different. And you have the legal frame also to obligate the state to get out of that uh, economical activity once the private sector take over. You know, So at the end, what Chile is doing is trying to incentivize the market, but also we understand that the government and the state is very inefficient when it comes to managed companies so as soon as the market is activated, we have the legal obligation to leave the market, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting way that, and it's not something we have so much exactly. over here in Europe. And, you know, we look at the Baltic countries in Europe, there's a lot of deep tech going on there, you know, London, FinTech, France, right, yeah. you know you've got to conquer sort of French tech. Do you think we could actually do with something like that over here? Because I appreciate you're sort of exploring projects at the moment. Do you think Do you think a much more intervention of other parts of the world would benefit from that? Structure? Yeah, for sure. But but, but it's more typical from, uh, from developed countries, you know, uh, from developing countries, sorry. For developed countries, as a UK or, or the majority of the countries in Europe, uh, you let the market play alone, you know? So basically the market tells you uh, what are going to be the trends that you as a government need to support? Uh, so, for example, if the market is telling you in UK that a lot of fintechs uh, are coming out and, and, the, uh, and the fintech industry is becoming a trend, probably that will push the UK government to regulate better the fintech industry and to create more incentive for that, you know? But you have a clear yeah. message from the market. Uh, that's what happened in, 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 developed, in developed countries, you know? In developing countries, since you don't have a market, uh, we I strongly believe that the state should go and incentivize that market. You know, as as 
as what happened down here in Chile. Um, but that could be a good structure also for, uh, for countries like, uh, like in the UK or Europe, but you need to be very careful between uh, the super, super thin line between incentivize the market and compete with the private sector, you know, because in developed countries, doesn't matter how small is the industry, the potentiality of that industry is huge because the, there's room in the market. Does that make sense? So it's you as a, it's, yes, it's no, you as an estate, yeah. doesn't matter how small it is, but if you're gonna enter there to compete, probably you're gonna be taking opportunities from that small guy that he was about to, I don't know, eat the whole industry, you know? Um, <laughs> so it, it's just a mix of things. That's what I'm trying to say. You need to be very careful in order to in, intervene the market. But if you have that long-term kind of perspective uh, with a clear rules, to, to you as a state to lead the market once you achieve what you were looking for, maybe that, that, that sounds good for a developed country, you know? And, and would you say this is now completely commonplace across LATAM with a lot of other accelerator programs? And, you know, for you, who else have been the winners, uh, you know, I suppose in terms of countries in LATAM following yeah, this approach? Yeah, I mean, ma many countries in, in Latin America are, um, are or more than many countries, many hubs in Latin America in Latin America are being boosted by uh, governments, basically. And, and it's just because it happened the same as in Chile. There's not a market down here. And every single country, or not every single, but the majority of the countries in Latin America understood that if they want to be a developed country, they need to boost innovation and entrepreneurship because that's going to be one of the pillars that is going to uh, uh, support your economy, basically, if you want to be a developed country. Um, so different governments are trying to boost it with different laws and different regulations. I think the strongest regulations um, for the state to intervene in a market is here in Chile, but that does, doesn't mean that the other government cannot do it. You know, uh, uh, Peru is doing it. Um, Colombia is doing it. Actually, now Colombia is doing a huge, huge tax reform, and they are going to put a lot of incentive for venture funds and, and tech startups. Uh, and that's another way to intervene the market, you know, through regulations. Uh, it's a completely different action of, of what Chile is doing because Chile is actively uh, boosting the market with an accelerator. But Colombia is doing it from the um, regulation side, you know, the, 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 how can you, the legal frame. And that's definitely going to boost the market also in a different way, but it's definitely going to do it. So the, the, the government or the, the state present in the market in the Latin America is a reality, not only in entrepreneurship and innovation, but in different frames and layers, you know. And I suppose what's interesting is I think, you know, and I, I appreciate this develops into your role, but I wanted to discuss a little bit with the Yield Lab. But for you, in terms of you know, industries that benefit the most from this approach, yeah, agrotech with reforms is obviously one that will come into this, but are, is everyone a winner in a framework like this? And I, I suppose in terms of the trends when you started at Startup Chile and you know, when you left, were you accepting the same types of businesses, industries, entrepreneurs as before, or did you have to adapt that process? Um, again, there's, there's not like a straight answer for that. Um, for, for example, what happened down here, down, down here in Chile is is the strategy is not to focus only in one industry from the Chilean state. So basically we want to try to boost the entire technological industry, basically. So the approach of the Chilean state is just to say, okay, uh, we want to create an ecosystem 
uh, we are going to put some water there and some seats and let's see what happens, you know? So basically, we as a, as a public sector, we are seeing which of the industries are going to be strongest in, strongest in the next couple of years in terms of uh, tech developing, you know? And probably as, as soon as we see the market reacting to those things that the government is doing, the government is going gonna, is gonna to apply a more specific kind of rule for every industry. So basically what we're doing now as a Chilean state is trying to discover which tech trends are gonna be the most uh, effective for the Chilean economy. And once that happens, we are probably gonna apply something more specific. You know, When we talk about AgTech, and, and from what I'm seeing here um, in the GILAF, is that there's a huge opportunity not only in Chile, but in the entire region. AgTech is the, the agricultural industry is the, how can I say, is the less technological? Is that right? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's one of the less technological industries in the entire region. And when you see the trends about uh, the most developing industries in the entire world, you can see agriculture as one of the most important, you know? I mean, everybody needs to eat, basically. Uh, so uh, when you see the... And there's a lot of land exactly in when you see the, the, the tech penetration in the agricultural industry in Latin America is super limited nothing happens there but when you see the trends in the world uh, the trends are growing every year so there's a huge opportunity now in Latin America to 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 put more technology in that industry uh, the public sector is not doing it super actively because of what I told you um, they have a more kind of general approach. Uh, they don't have a specific approach to every industry. But now you have a, a, a clear message from the private sector in Chile telling you that now there's an organization that will focus on agriculture, you know, thanks to all what the government was doing to boost startups with that general approach. You know, now that we have an ecosystem, now that we have enough actors uh, that are, will allow private uh, private organizations like the GILAB to come to Chile and just to see the value in different industries, you know. So that's kind of the story or, or how can, that's how uh, Chile is connecting the dots, basically. We want to try to create this pool. We want to put water in the pool. And now let's see who want to jump in, you know, to swim. And now we're seeing different organizations like the Yield Lab. So basically, probably, and since uh, agriculture is a big industry, not only in Latin America, but it's the second biggest in Chile, probably we're going to see huge trends uh, related to AgTech in the next couple of years uh, here in Chile. And actually, that brings me on to a really interesting point, I suppose, more in terms of, you know, the, the VC landscape yeah. and, and LATAM and, and, and what that means for funding at the moment. I suppose how uh, this period has been an interesting one. Uh, I think you know, every country has had its own approach. Um, we've seen more, I suppose you could say, foreign investment in the UK um, pick up during this period, as opposed to sort of domestic investment, albeit it's, it's a bit more normal, normalised now than it was. In terms of the, the funding approach and what what you've been seeing in LATAM and that appreciates still developing and and still maturing in that in that approach in terms of you know there's many different ways raising a venture capital funds for you know a LATAM focus is there still a lot of reliance on external you know venture capital funds to get involved or would you say that LATAM's actually at a point where domestic investment again I suppose overlap with government is sufficient enough um, to keep up with, with the um, trends. I think the government, a government or a state will never be efficient enough. By definition, governments and states are not efficient. 
there's a lot of bureaucracy involved in those processes, you know, politicians, long, uh, short term point of views and stuff like that. So I just want to make clear that a government or a state will never be efficient on that. OK, but what governments or states are doing here, as I was telling you before, is trying to incentivize, incentivize some private sectors. And one of those is the venture capital industry, you know. Um, you see a lot of uh, public presence and a strong public presence in Latin America just because we don't have enough VCs down here. That's it. Um, we have, there's a lot of money in Latin America, a lot of money, a lot of big families, a lot of venture funds, a lot of funds, big funds, you know, but they have a super traditional mindset. They are basically putting all the money in commodities or, or maybe outside of Chile as well or outside of the region, you know. Um, we were we went through as a country through a social crisis like the world is basically going through a social crisis. You can see the, what is happening in the U.S. right now, you know. But uh, it happened in Chile like in October, and you we saw that the biggest funds uh, right after that social crisis move all of their money out of Chile like right away, you know. So that's still that is telling you that the uh, as soon as they see any risk, they will rather to lose money but to to take care of that money just like super super quickly you know uh, so they move the money uh, the money out so that's tell you that that's a very traditional mindset uh, when it comes to invest uh, or investing um, so the traditional mindset here in chile in, in in the in the vc industry or in the latin american region is huge so that is allowing now the government and public state to jump in you know but what we're seeing are two interesting things uh, the first thing is that the, those venture funds, those very traditional venture funds, are seeing now a lot of value in Latin American startups and are starting to work with the startup because basically they are seeing what is happening in Silicon Valley and, and the big hubs around the world. And also, the big, those big funds are being taken, um, um, those family funds are, are, are being taken over by the sons, you know, they are coming with a more innovative mindset. Um, they know they, they have a better approach and stuff like that. So now they are opening to work with the startups, uh, not with big tickets, but at least you can see those venture funds playing with startups. That's a huge, huge uh, signal. But also uh, venture funds from other countries um, are, see, are, are putting a lot of uh, attention in what's happening in Latin America, because since we're having a lot of su success cases lately, uh, they don't want to miss uh, more opportunities with investment in Latin America. Uh, a lot of solutions like Cabify. Cabify is actually a European uh, solution that came from Spain, but it's the strongest competitor for Uber here in Latin America. They came through Startup Chile, um, and they don't want to miss that chance again. You know, There's another platform called Rappi that basically brings you grocery from uh, the supermarket. That's a Colombian startup. Uh, they don't want to miss that opportunity to invest either. There's another one called Corner Shop, also in Chile. You know, so there's a lot of startups in Latin America that are not unicorn yet, but they will be in a couple of years. I mean, they have a clear path, um, and the and those big venture funds from the U.S. they lost the opportunity to be there already, and they don't want to lose the, that opportunity. So a lot of, of those venture funds now are partnering with local accelerators more actively, you know, as such a startup Chile, more governments and stuff like that, to start to see more startup from here and to see uh, and to watch more um, 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 investment opportunities. 
And I suppose, you know, that, that actually is a really interesting point. I think we were discussing a little bit before. Yeah, in terms of the link with universities and innovations coming out of there, such as, I suppose, Utech Ventures in Lima or Orange Startups up in Mexico, there's obviously this, this link with trying to, I suppose, look at intellectual, you know, uh, rich projects and hold on to the intellectual property as soon as they come out. Do you, I mean, appreciate uh, you know, having run an accelerator for a long time and indeed such a large one. Um, may change the opinion on this but in terms of investment coming directly through to, to pre-seed and early seed stage companies in accelerators do you i mean do you, do you think that's the right approach for everyone because they could go out and get venture funding separately or they could receive it through an accelerator or you know i suppose that's just really down to the startup is it? so if i understood correctly the question is um, my opinion regarding if it's the right approach to raise funds from an accelerator rather than a venture fund yeah, I, I, I suppose what I'm saying out of that is, you know, we've got more accelerators coming up now and, you know, it, it's becoming a little bit more of the norm to receive the resources, a set program and investment there as well. Do, do, do you think everyone is still sort of developing to that mindset in LATAM or should go out and raise funding separately? I mean, well, that's a huge risk, you know, since you have a strong public presence in all the ecosystems in Latin America, uh, the entrepreneur tend to think that, the only choice they have is just to apply to uh, public funds, you know? So uh, it's just like a, a, a spoiled child, you know? When you give them allowance all the time and you cut that allowance, they're going to say like, hey, I don't want to go and work. Keep me going my allowance, you know? Um, so it's, it, that happens a lot down here. Uh, people can kind of rely on the, on the state and that is pushing away those startups or entrepreneurs out of raising funds like in the real world, you know? Uh, but all the programs and accelerators, or I mean, the majority at least, um, they deliver services basically for the startup. So they provide different services in order to help them to grow from a point A to a point B. Uh, and that means that if you wanna if you wanna keep growing and growing, you need to raise private funds at some point. Otherwise, you're doomed. You're not gonna keep growing. You know. Um, so those services that are being provided by our accelerators. Um, are also telling the entrepreneurs that they need to raise private funds. Um, but, but, but you know, it's like the egg of the chicken kind of story because you are telling them, yeah, you need to raise my private funds. And as soon as they go out of the market, there's, there's, there are not enough VCs willing to put money in there, you know. Um, but it's, it's an interesting question. We'll see what happens in the next couple of years with that. Um, the most important thing at the end, I believe, is just to make the startups understand that if they don't raise money, doesn't matter if it's public or, or private, they will be dead. They need to raise money quick in order to grow with a, with a strategic plan um, and, and, and just not to have a local impact by global impact, you know? Uh, if you wanna have that global impact, investment in a, is a key step in order to be a, a global company. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens, but, but I think the entrepreneurs need to have that super clear idea about the necessity of, of raising funds. And I suppose on that point, actually, to sort of bridge it off, for Startup Chile, I know, you know, open to everyone in, in, in most terms, in terms of yeah. welcoming startups from all over. 
to, to, to get involved. I, mean, I suppose there's a lot of people now moving out of places like San Francisco and looking for other you know, entries into continents such as Latin America for that as well. Do, do you think that message gets across to Europe for startups to actually look at market entry? And I, I suppose I say that more with Iberian startups you know, in Spain and Portugal, for example. Do you think they're well informed enough and actually the opportunities for LATAM? And is, I suppose, you know, to what extent is now the best opportunity, you know, for startups to to put their base into LATAM or a Chile or a startup mm-hmm. Chile to, so to get going there? It's all about uh, the strategy that you have, you know. Uh, when when you talk about uh, different uh, ecosystems in the world, now is basically a competition. Uh, most of the countries in the world are competing uh, for the talent, you know, and that's why you have so many accelerators and government pushing for startups, uh, public initiative, private initiative, you know, countries and big corporations are trying to find that talent. So it's a huge competition. Uh, But um, when you talk about uh, the trends and what what, what, uh, startups should do regarding uh, Latin America or how they should see the trends of opportunities, it's all about the strategic plan that they have, you know. So, for example, if you're based in Europe, uh, and you are creating a platform, um, a social platform that will allow countries to get out of the poverty. I'm just taking you to a super extreme case to make a point. Um, probably you will not have a market yep. in the UK, you know. Uh, so you will have to look for developing countries. <laughs> um, what should you go? To Latin America, maybe, or South Af- or uh, Africa, or maybe some countries in Asia. So you're already narrowing down which are the markets that you need to target. After that, probably you're going to ask another couple of questions. So, okay, I'm a social startup um, with a social uh, solution for developing countries. Where should I go? Okay, these are the countries that represented more support for startups like Chile. Oh, there's a good opportunity there in Chile to go there, you know, and do a pilot. Even though uh, probably the biggest client that you're going to have is in, I don't know, in Africa, you know, but you have a strategic plan in order to make your startup to grow. Um, going through Chile, pilot there, uh, solve a couple of problems, and then go where the real money is in Africa. You know, um, I'm just I'm just giving you that silly example just to make a point. You know, uh, when we talk about trends, I think it's uh, uh, or or how the Latin American uh, continent is is marketing is mark um, is showing to the world what are the good things that are happening here. It's a it's a two side story. You know. It's not only about countries in Latin America to show to the world what is the good things or trends that are happening down here, but it's also part of the entrepreneur uh, to develop a strategy and to see which markets are going to be the best for that startup. So if you are, again, if you are developing, a, I don't know, a, a fintech solution um, and, you're, and you're looking to apply to accelerators, probably you are going to apply or in an accelerator into UK or Colombia with a strong fintech uh, ecosystem, you know, you're not going to apply to, I don't know, Bolivia. Bolivia is just developing some fintech solution, you know, even though they are going to be willing to accept you into their acceleration programs and they're going to put you money, uh, you are not going to be taking a strategic decision, you know. So it's a kind of both both sides. Uh, it depends on the country just to send the right message about what are the strongest trends that are happening there. But also the entrepreneur need to understand that they need to take um, a business based decision you know it's not only applying to an accelerator because they are giving money just because 
Is, is it fair to say when you, you, know, you used to review startups and you looked at the applications going into startups, really, that was one of the biggest pain points that you had with applications? They couldn't justify the reason why they wanted to go to Chile exactly. or Latin, well, I mean, for example. That actually, we added that yeah. question when Startup Chile changed um, their goals. You know? So Startup Chile basically was created to create an ecosystem here in Chile, basically to bring entrepreneurs from all over the world and to see what happens. That was the first goal, and to put Chile in the map, you know? We accomplished those goals, you know, we create an ecosystem, we measure that, done. Then we became an accelerator back in 2015, and we decide to um, impact the, the local economy, not only the culture, you know? So once we decide to local the impact, uh, to, I'm sorry, to impact the local economy, we decide to do that through, an, through becoming an accelerator, offering services in order to help the startup yeah. to grow from Chile. You know, so you know when we changed that, we added that question that you're asking me: Why do you want to come to Chile? That's it, and everything changed because once we started to see strategies, we started to bring the right businesses to connect those businesses with the local industries, and those businesses can use the local industry to go global. You know, and the the main difference was again, I'm just gonna take it to an extreme case just to uh, make a point here. Um, and a startup, super cool startup, could answer to that question, why coming to Chile? Just because a startup Chile is super cool, um, is the best accelerator in the world, and I want to be part of that revolution, okay? Versus another answer saying, um, we want to go to Chile because the B2B market in Chile is very strong, and since the, uh, that the B2B market is strong, we want to pilot with this and this corporation or whatever, you know? That is giving you some insights about how uh, the industry is moving, how the startup is thinking strategically, strategically, and stuff like that. You know, it's 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 an interesting consideration. I think it's it's the main thing I see with my work at Birmingham Enterprise Community Accelerator as well. It's we we try and make the most of the region in the Midlands in the UK and bring businesses there and understand what impact and what resources they can use there. Uh, and actually make change and you know that's the biggest thing that i suppose exactly. drives our exactly. activities up there as well and yeah it, it drives the future so and it you know it gives it purpose absolutely but no i think there's you know there's a huge amount of really interesting insights in that and you know very thankful for, for for all of those and you know as i said at the beginning i think you know we said you've gone from entrepreneur to to accelerator to more the sort of fund related side now so you've had that transition through and you've seen it from startups you know from all over the place through to actually doing the, the investments now which is quite a it's exactly. an interesting mix to say the least um but what is that so i suppose to lead things off now like i think like everyone and we, we had a quick chat before this you know you're exploring options and, and things like that so what what's what's next for you i suppose in terms of where you want to go next and you know what what's really um, important so as, as i told you at the beginning i'm trying to figure out what's going to be my next step um, I'm honestly trying to push really hard some opportunities in Europe. I have an Italian nationality, um, citizenship, so uh, my next step probably is going to be linked to Europe. Um, so I can keep you posted about that and we'll see what happens. It, there's a lot exactly, to think about and perhaps exactly, we see you over exactly. here in Europe. Probably, probably linked <laughs> to a, a government also, you know, public policies and stuff like that. Since my experience was linked to that in a startup Chile, to developing what? ecosystems, uh, to support entrepreneurs from the public side, you know, probably is going to be linked to to some of those organizations. We'll see what happens. 
Exactly. Well, that's really where you'll see the growth. So, um, but that's great. Seb, my thanks once again. Really enjoyed that. And, you know, um, I'm sure if people want to, you know, keep in, you know, in the loop with what you're doing, they can find you on LinkedIn. And, you know, I appreciate your background's media anyway. So I'm sure exactly. you'll be doing yeah. much more. Thank you, Alice. Really, so. It was amazing to talk to you. Uh, reach me Perfect. anytime. And we're here to help all the time too. And if there's any entrepreneurs hearing this, I'm here always to help and to give you a hand with anything. Perfect. Thanks a lot. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. If you want to find any more details out about Kaiku, uh, we're at www.kaiku.co. And uh, we hope you'll join us on the next Kaiku podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye.